you know, I thought we pushed back. We had a lot of quality looks. Um, you know, I, th this was a, it was a similar circumstance, I think, to the way the game was played in Long Island. Instead of finding a way to win, we found a way to lose. We made a couple of mistakes that ended up in the back of our net. Okay, so on the program today, we're going to talk a lot about squandering opportunities. And yes, Calgary Flames fans, we're going to get to that game against the Flyers yesterday. But uh, that was Mike Sullivan, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And for two periods, Pittsburgh looked pretty good and took a lead into the third period and then only watched this thing crumble. And one of the things that we've talked about with the Pittsburgh Penguins for a number of years here is that when the Pittsburgh Penguins are really good, they're elite and they look like world beaters. And you say, that's a team that can still win the Stanley Cup. But when they're bad, <clears throat> when things go wrong and they can't correct it, when there's turbulence and they can't pull out of it, Pittsburgh Penguins can look really awful. If they take the foot off the gas even a little bit, they kind of crumble. That's the thing that makes the Pittsburgh Penguins one of the more weird teams to me in this generation. They're capable of winning Stanley Cups. They have Hall of Famers in the lineup. But... If that elite level skill isn't matched with a work ethic or an effort, the whole thing kind of falls apart, right? It's kind of like the, um, oh, what's the phrase? The bicycle theory. You guys heard of the bicycle theory before? As long as you keep pedaling, you won't fall off. You just keep pedaling fast and you won't fall off and you don't hit a stumble. Some of us have that bicycle theory for our careers. Just keep pedaling fast and you won't fall off. Pittsburgh Penguins are kind of like that, but for a hockey team. And making it even worse for the Penguins yesterday is a squander one against the New York Islanders. And man, I was getting texts and tweets about they're pulling me back in. I'm back on the bandwagon. Let's go Islanders. You know, the Pittsburgh Penguins yesterday, what made it even worse is how they got pushed around. You know, and Rob Rossi, who covers the team, you know, uh, tweeted about this, about, you know, Brian Burke. And you can imagine that Berkey would have seen, you know, Ross Johnson mingling with Yevgeny Malkin and been livid and just wouldn't have had any time for, you know, Matt Martin going at Jason Zucker and not having any type of response. And I don't think any of us are suggesting going back to the carefree halcyon days of four or five sluggers on each team. Hello, 90s hockey. No one's talking about that. But having players that can make sure that Ross Johnson and Matt Martin don't go at your stars like we saw yesterday, making it even worse, I think. And I know where they're going with this, so I kind of understand it. The Pittsburgh Penguins tweeting out, you know, part of the game sheet with the unsportsmanlike conducts and the misconducts and the roughing calls. We don't like you, New York Islanders. It's kind of like saying, ooh, wait till I write a devastating op-ed about how much we don't like this team. You can do that or you can do something about it. And I would imagine that if you're Brian Burke, you want to do something about it. If you're Ron Hextall, I think he wants to do something about it, although the accent with the Pittsburgh Penguins has always been about skill. Squandering opportunities. Yesterday as well, Philadelphia Flyers scratched uh, Travis Sanheim. He's got like 15 or 16 tickets out there, friends and family coming to watch. He played his junior there. He gets scratched. That's a tough one. We'll talk about Joel Farabee's ice time as well here in a couple of moments. Uh, and still, they find a way to lose. Let's hear from Michael Backlund of the Flames. Like I said, I thought we came out, played well, uh, created a lot of looks, um, and I thought we 
yeah, we I thought we were the, you know dictating the game and uh, creating lots, and then secondary they got a little bit of momentum. Um, we we sat back a little bit and didn't get our zone at times, and but then in third, you know, we came out and came back like we said, and we had that jump, and uh, um, yeah, it's just really tough when you come back and then you still uh, find a way to lose. It's uh, it's um, yeah, frustrating, tough. Now, if you didn't hear the voices, or if I didn't indicate who was who, which one was Sullivan and which one was Backlund, and you just read those quotes, and I asked you, which one was Sullivan and which one was Backlund? Be honest here. Could you tell the difference? Flames lose, drop a tough one, 4-3 to the Philadelphia Flyers. Penguins get doubled up by the Islanders, and we're talking about squandered opportunities. Let's get the show started. Elliot on the other side. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Also coming up on the program today, bottom of the hour, Ian Mendez drops by from The Athletic. Uh, we'll talk about, listen, it's you can't really ever call it a tough loss when you lose to the Boston Bruins because they're just like the runaway best team at the NHL, but tough loss against the Boston Bruins, an incredible squad. Uh, we'll talk about the Ottawa Senators, their situation, whether it's with Alex DeBrinkett, you know, whether it's with the sale of the team, whether it's with the head coach, uh, Ian weighs in at the bottom of the hour, Joe Haggerty on the Boston Bruins uh, from Boston Hockey now coming up in hour two. Meantime, from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts, both the blog and the podcast, he is Elliot Friedman in advance of nine games today around the NHL. Hello, Fridge. How are you? Hey, how are you doing? Uh, good. I played a, a couple of clips back to back off the top. One uh, from Mike Sullivan, and the theme was squandered opportunities. Uh, yeah. Penguins carrying the lead in the third period against the Islanders, etc. And then played the clip from Michael Backlund, uh, who talked about squandered opportunities against the Philadelphia Flyers team that you know scratched Travis Sanheim, limited ice time to other players. Travis Konechny gets injured during the game as well. The the theme of the uh, the open was squandered opportunities. Pittsburgh Penguins and Calgary Flames. Quick thought on both these teams and both those games from yesterday for each. Oh, I couldn't believe, I absolutely could not believe that they didn't score at the end of regulation there in Pittsburgh when that game was yeah. still a one-goal game. And uh, like they, they were all over them, all over them. And they had a couple of mad scrambles, and, um, uh, and I, I was shocked they didn't score. And then when Brock Nelson picked up the puck inside his own blue line with the empty net. I'm like, NHL's most accurate shooter, they're doomed. And he put it right down in the middle of the net. Um, you know, yeah. someone said to me last night, the great line they had is that they, they called the Islanders the AH Islanders because they lost Barzell and they have so many guys <laughs> up uh, from the American yeah. Hockey League. That was, that was a gutsy, gutsy win by New York. And, you know, I think Pittsburgh here, one of the big questions I think a lot of people are talking about, I saw that uh, Ron Hexel did an interview with Pierre Lebrun on the weekend. He said that they're looking for depth forwards. I don't know. I mean, you might, you know what? You might just better be served to punt. I mean, I I know this is like sacrilege in Penguin Town, but you might be better served to say, you know what? We're not giving up any assets, and we're going to see the other way around if if, uh, some people say, okay, uh, there's something you want that maybe we can give you something and you can try to clear some stuff and maybe see if you can use it to come back next year. I, 
they're in a really tough spot there, a really tough spot. Their math is better than Washington's. Their math is better than Florida. Their math is better than the Islanders, but it's not as good as the Red Wings and the Sabres. And look, they've lost some really big games this week in regulation and not even getting points. Yeah. Uh, we all know the way the Penguins are wired, but they got some big decisions to make, I think. You know, I, I can't help but thinking, and again, maybe this is just reading into to Brian Burke after having worked with him for as long as we did, Frege, um, that he would not have been amused at that game last night. And listen, I mentioned Austin Watson a couple of weeks ago on Hockey Nights. Um, you know, believe that, that he's available. You wonder if at, at least a, a cursory phone call uh, to Pierre Dorian saying, like, look here, we need, uh, we need, uh, we need some help with some, some muscle on a project we're trying to do here. Because I, I'm, I'm kind of with you, like there's not a real point to getting the band back together if you're going to punt right away in that first season. Like, I know, like you mentioned, sacrilege in Penguins Town, but it's true. Like, you re-sign Malkin, you re-sign Latang, keeping Crosby happy, Brian Rust is back, etc. The whole thing is about moving forward here, even, even if it looks like, not to say, not, I'm not saying that the Penguins are falling out of it like the Caps are, but at least the Penguins are taking more than a small step backwards here. And this, by the way, this Detroit-Washington game is huge tonight for the Detroit yes. Rams and for the Washington Capitals, I suppose, too. And the Buffalo game against the Maple Leafs is a huge one for the Buffalo Sabres. I don't know. I, I just have a hard time looking at Pittsburgh and saying this team is going to concede an inch. Like when you sign Latang and you sign Rust and you sign Malkin, you're doing it because you're going forward, not because you're you know, firing it back to your kicker here. Yeah, I, I, I understand all of this, Jeff. I do. Um, I, I really do. But I still think that you have to be realistic. I mean, I mean, I guess what it comes down to is that skin in the game argument that we talked about on the podcast. And that is that yeah. does, your owner, does your owner say, you know what, if we can get at least two playoff dates, we want them. And if, if that's the answer, then then that's what you've got to do. Like, that's that's the way it goes. Someone's the boss, someone signs the checks, and they make the ultimate yeah. decisions. Um, and, and you know what? They're going – and it's absolutely true that it's against everything that a Crosby and Malkin and Latang would want that a team would do that. But, you know, like, like I look at Washington too. Like, I think Washington has some big decisions to make as well. You know, they, they their their math is – it's, it's getting worse. Um, they had a really bad week. Um, you know, they, they might not have Ovechkin back until the weekend. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I wonder if they're going to think about it, too. They got a lot of UFAs. Um, they got a lot. Like, like, you know, you and I were talking this morning, like, that Hathaway, how many teams would, would be very interested oh, in yeah. him? I would bet a lot. I would bet a lot. Like, that's the other thing now. And you've said this before, too. Like, Washington is is full throttle all the time. Like, there's no reverse in that car. They're not backing up. But I think, well, I wonder if they're looking at it realistically and saying, we could all we could have all this cap room this summer to do some things. And maybe mm-hmm. that's what they should do. I don't know. I, I, th- I think Washington's facing some some very big decisions about how they – they want to go about this this year. Uh, that is a huge one. Tonight, the Washington Capitals face off against the Detroit Red Wings. Nine games on the board later on this evening. Quickly, um, 
again, John Tortorella doing John Tortorella things um, mm -hmm. and making the impact as brutal as possible. Travis Sanheim, Sanheim scratched um, in the game against the Calgary Flames yesterday. That's where he played his junior. I don't know how many tickets, but I think it was sizable. Uh, that Sanheim had out there for friends and family, 16 tickets. So that's that's a good chunk of friends and family coming to watch him wear a suit. Now, the Flyers ended up winning the game 4-3. to three. They lose Konechny in the process. Uh, Sammy Erson with uh, another win. He's won six straight wins. He's got six straight wins for the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, what, do you, what were your takeaways from this one, from both sides, the Calgary side and the maybe more controversial, from a roster point of view, Philadelphia Flyers? Well, I, I think Calgary played all right. I mean, they, they got beat by a really hot goalie, a goalie who's beating everybody right now. Like that first period last yep. night, Urson made some unbelievable saves that that kept uh, Calgary and that kept Calgary from scoring. Um, you know, it's been a big problem for the Flames all year long: chances but lack of finish. And Urson, you know, Urson almost single-handedly won that game for Philadelphia. You know, when the, when the Flames came back in the third period. Uh, you know, I, I thought they were going to win it, but, you know, it's just weird. Like, the Flames have – for a team that, you know, Sutter, his, his D zone is very, very good. Generally, over the years, it's, it's been excellent. They, they've had some weird defensive breakdowns. And, and, and that, that goal last night, the winning goal yesterday afternoon, that was something where uh, someone went somewhere they weren't supposed to go. Uh, I, I think it was Zadorov, but I don't know for sure. Um, and, the, and, the, and the winger who scored the winning goal, I can't remember who it was right now, he was like right in front of the net, completely untouched. Now, I know hockey has changed a lot, but I can remember since my novice days that you weren't supposed to leave somebody alone in front of the net. So, like that. It's, it's Wade, Wade Allison, the by the way. That was Wade, Wade, oh, Wade, Wade Allison. Allison. That's Wade who Allison. it was. But, you know, I mean, I mean, the Flames, I mean, what are you going to do? I thought they played really well on Saturday. They won. I thought they played pretty well yesterday. Urson beat them. I think there's going to be a couple of interesting things to watch from Philadelphia. First of all, Joel Farabee played three and a half minutes yesterday. That wasn't injury, I don't yes. think. That was Tortorella. Yeah. And I would think, knowing the way Tortorella thinks sometimes, that Farabee was headed for a scratch tonight in Edmonton until we find out what the story is here with Konechny. Like, Konechny's injury might save Farabee from a scratch. So we'll see what that is. The mm -hmm. other thing I'm kind of hearing out of there, Jeff, is or just around there is the Flyers are carrying three goalies right now, Urson, Carter Hart, and Felix Sandstrom. I wonder if yeah. we might see Sandstrom on waivers. Um, I, I think they've tried to move him. I just don't think they saw a lot out there, and – you know, the guy is 26 years old. He's on some level, he's probably saying, I, I, I want my chance to play. So I wonder if we see a, a waiver move here potentially over the next couple of days. You know, uh, picking up the conversation about Flyers goaltenders, they really think they have something here and got lucky in the fifth round of the Rasmus Dallin draft back in 2018. That's where Urson was picked. By the that looks good. Flyers. I remember talking talking to someone early this season in Lehigh, and this person said to me, "Watch Urson. We think we really have someone here. We think we have. Listen, a Carter Hart is Carter Hart. Uh, it's never a bad thing to have too many good goaltenders in your system. I think they really think they hit the jackpot here in the fifth round with Urson, and so far so good. He's looked 
He's looked real good. Um, okay, I want to ask you about Vegas. Uh, Mark Stone yesterday placed on LTIR. Uh, that opens up just under $10 million of cap space, which is catnip for Kelly McCrimmon. Your thoughts on what Vegas mm-hmm. can do here? I know the name Timo Meyer is very much out there. Yeah, I, I, look, I think that Vegas is, uh, is gearing up to do something. I don't think that comes as a huge surprise. Someone suggested to me last night that the reason Stone got put on, on LTIR when he did was that they had to make a goalie call up, and that's Michael Hutchinson. And uh, they mm-hmm. might have needed the space to call up. They might have needed the space to call up Hutchinson, uh, so they had to put Stone on LTIR. I haven't done the math, but I know it would be close, so that does make some sense. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. the word is that Patrick Kane, at least the earlier word is that Patrick Kane's going to play tonight for the Blackhawks against Vegas, but, it, you know, it's a short walk between dressing rooms there, uh, Jeff, if you want to start like a five-alarm <laughs> blaze this afternoon. No, that's good. Um, Just walk down the hallway, great. Uh, I do think the, the I do think the, look, I don't think the Golden Knights are going to stand pad, put it that way. I think they've looked at moves yeah. big and small. Um, I think they've looked at Barbashev. Um, I think they've looked at the possibility of Kane. I have no doubt they're looking at the possibility of Meyer. Um, it, it was funny. I, I, someone sent me a DM yesterday. They heard us talking about Meyer in Vegas, and they're like, I'm a Sharks fan, and I'm going to pick at the offices if they trade Meyer there. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Don't like this. each other, man. There yeah, is you know, like there is legit. animosity there. It's big. I know yeah. it's big. It's legit. So, um, you know, and, and you know, we talked about the Blues potentially being in this now, and you know, we'll see what they decide to do. Um, you know, Meyer yesterday, it, he was hurt. He didn't play. Everybody has told me this is a minor thing. You know, we'll see where this goes. You know, Mike Greer. Um, you know, Mike Greer seems content to just grind this along and, and see everybody who's involved. Um, Vladislav Gavrikov and the Boston yeah. Bruins, or will it be Gavrikov and someone else? Elliot, what do you hear? What do you know about I, Gavrikov? Is he uh, the hunt for the left handy? Well, as, as you know, I've been saying now for like almost a week that I think there's something going on between Gavrikov and, and the Bruins. And, Hopefully someday I'm proven to be right. Um, uh, You know, like uh, I really do think there's, there's, there's something going on there. And uh, I just think the fact the Bruins haven't been able to clear their cap room with the coming back off LTIR has, has been uh, a problem. Um, I, you know, I think they have to clear some cap room and, uh, we'll see where this goes, but I, I think there's something there between uh, Gavrikov and the Bruins, and we'll see when this closes. Like, uh, you know, like someone said to me, um, like there was one, there was one, there's one GM in particular who's really angry about all this, and 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 just thinks it makes the game look bad. And he, I was speaking mm-hmm. to him Sunday morning, yeah. and he said to me he heard that there was a chance Gavrikov could play against Arizona Sunday night because this wasn't getting sorted out. That obviously didn't happen. So we'll see, we'll yeah. see what happens here. Like, uh, I don't know, but I, 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 I have heard Bruins and I do think Bruins and, you know, so far nobody has called me to tell me I'm completely insane. And usually when I'm really wrong about these things, somebody calls me to tell me either I'm insane or worse. 
Well, I'm sure they do, just not on that point specifically, Elliot. Um, <laughs> the Winnipeg Jets uh, dust the Rangers yesterday, although good effort by the Rangers, but even better effort by Connor Hallibuck, who was outstanding for the Rangers yesterday. You know, I've been thinking a lot about the conversation uh, that you and I had on the podcast, talking about you know teams that you know sort of need to go for it right now. And I would put, like you, Winnipeg right up around the top of that list, whether you look at expiring contracts, players like Hellebuck, players like Morrissey, uh, having career-type seasons, seasons that could garner you, you know, trophy consideration, whether it's uh, the Norris um, or, you know, or whether it's the, uh, you know, the goalie of the year. Um, This does very much feel like, a situation where Winnipeg is right there, one of the best teams in the Western Conference. We didn't think this was going to happen. I I shouldn't say that. This is the Winnipeg Jets team, Elliot, I think that we all thought was going to emerge last season but didn't, and we're getting it this year. You know, Last year we had a lot of us, and I was one of them, uh, a lot of us said Winnipeg is the best Canadian team in the NHL, period, and we all look like dopes. Um, Maybe really it was just paused, paused for one season. They must be thinking, we need to do something here. We've got lightning in a bottle. This is working. We know what's happening with the contracts. We can't squander this now. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you on all of that, including me being one of the people who was made to look like an idiot last year when they had a really tough season. Um, I, I, got, I do think the Jets are interested in Meyer. I, I definitely do. Um, but I think you have to understand the DNA of the organization you're dealing with, right? And the Jets like certainty. They like term. And if they're going to trade for Meyer, it's really going to cost them. Uh, we know that. And like, like I, think, I don't think they want to do that if, if it's only for maximum a year and a half. And I understand their position on the matter. I, I, I really do. So, um, like I, like if they thought that they could sign Meyer, I think they would be all over this deal. I, I, I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they don't think they can sign Meyer, and uh, I don't know what the likelihood of that is, then I think they're gonna. I, I can't. It's just not in their DNA. Um, uh, it's it's just not what they do. All right, um, I want to ask you about the Detroit Red Wings. But before we get yeah. there, I want to ask you about the St. Louis Blues. So, again, on the podcast on the weekend, we talked about the St. Louis Blues and accruing assets. Uh, and I was on ESPN St. Louis yesterday talking about that. And it seems as if this conversation has really picked up um, among hockey circles, certainly online, about the idea that the St. Louis Blues, you know, we talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins not taking a step back or a significant step back. That's not what St. Louis does either. I think a lot of people have a hard time thinking that Doug Armstrong, the general manager, is picking up all these assets, all these futures, has a you know a bunch of green bananas in the American Hockey League waiting to graduate and isn't saying to himself, I can turn this into something that can help me right now. Because that's yeah. the way that Doug Armstrong and the Blues, for that matter, going back to '67 expansion, have always behaved, Elliot. What's your spidey yeah. sense tell you on St. Louis? Well, someone sent me a quote where he pointed out that uh, he said they're looking for 24 to 26 year old players, right? And yep. those aren't guys. Those aren't guys you take with three first round draft picks. And so, and, and I and I agree with you. I think it's their DNA. 
not to do long rebuilds. The last time they really went through something like this, it was really tough and, and painful on them and their market. And also, don't forget, they still have a lot of guys signed there who are, you know, a little bit older. And yeah. so, like, like the thing about Doug Armstrong is he's decisive. He, you know, whether you agree or disagree with what he does, he's decisive. And he, and he does things, and for better or for worse, he makes a call and he sticks with that call. And so, look, he's, he's the other thing, too, is he's going to get another high pick with Barbershop. Like, we'll see where this, uh, how high it is, but he's going to get another one. And, uh, like, I, I would say, a top, like, if not a first rounder, at least a second rounder. So he's going to have a lot of currency here. Um, and so, I, like, if you tell me he's in on Meyer or he's in on Chikrin, I, I totally believe it. I think the fascinating thing is the defense. Um, like, those guys have... Uh, a lot of those guys that, that they have there have no trade protection. Guys like Falk and, yep. and, and Pareko and, and Krug and things like that. So those guys have say on, on, on where they want to go. Um, you know, I, I have to tell you this. I, I think he's going to – I think he's basically said to people, if you want, you know, one of my D, you call me, and A, we'll see if we can make a deal, and B, we'll see if the player is willing to do it. And – I have no doubt, particularly on Pareko, that's that's been happening. But he's got to be able to yeah. okay it. Uh, I would imagine the two players that are getting the most calls on that blue line. You mentioned Pareko. I would wonder about Tory Krug too. I would In too. In the era of move the puck, move move the puck and put up points. I, I would wonder about Tory Krug getting some interest there too. Um, uh, I right, would the absolutely. Red Wings, uh, it, it sounds like Jacob Verana is in tonight mm-hmm. for the Detroit Red Wings mm-hmm. against his former mm-hmm. team, the Washington Capitals. Looks like Philip Zadina is out tonight for the Detroit Red Wings. This is huge. Like th- this is like you're the Detroit Red Wings. You're trying to gallop to a playoff spot. Um, you're in a position now to to start leapfrogging teams and and get yourself into that place. And as you've pointed out, um, they have a number of games in hand. Uh, a win tonight is enormous for the Detroit Red Wings. Mm-hmm. Up until this point, you can probably say this is the biggest game of the year tonight for the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, your thoughts on on what we should expect between here and trade deadline? Is it just a matter of if they keep on winning, Eisenman's going to hang on to their players and maybe even, you know, despite the fact that we all thought that they might be sellers come trade deadline, maybe even add a piece or two come deadline. Well, I, I think this. Uh, I think the thing that this reminds me of is that you have to be so careful about what you proclaim, because I had heard also. I never reported it, but I heard that Vrana was never going to play again for Detroit. Like they were done with him, and now a month later, he, as you said, he's back in the lineup tonight. So I think this is a. a first of all, uh, you hope Vrana's okay. That he's you know he's on a good path back yeah. and he's in a good place. But I, I think what this is is a reminder that how much life changes, that you think something's going to happen, and then something, you know, you plan, God laughs. Something changes and, and, and forces you to go on a different path. So that's number one. You know, number two, um, I, I do think that uh, Detroit wants to go for it. Um, you know, Buffalo's yeah. the one right now that is out, but they're in terms of the standings. But their playoff, but their points percentage is good enough that they're in, and the, the Red Wings are right there. Like 
Like, like this, this tonight is a game where, like, the thing about Eiserman, I, I would look at this is, Eiserman is a player. His nickname was Cutthroat for a reason. He had the killer instinct. Mm-hmm. He absolutely did. And he will be looking at his team tonight to see, okay, do we have killer instinct? Not only can we win, but we can deliver a serious blow to a team that is right now in front of us. And good, and, and teams, good teams, teams with killer instinct, they do that. And so, like, I, I would bet tonight that Eisenman's looking at this. Not only do we need to win the game, but do we have what it takes to really be a good team? And good teams win these games and show up for these games. We shall see. This will be an interesting one. Uh, also tonight, the Toronto Maple Leafs face off against the Buffalo Sabres. You mentioned the Swords a couple of seconds ago. They're looking to climb as well. And for whatever reason, this is a team that Toronto, even going, like, I can remember as a kid, Elliot, you can as well, in the old, you know, Don Edwards, Bob Sove years, that era of the Buffalo Sabres. The Sabres have always given the Maple Leafs fits, no matter yeah. where each of these teams are in the standings. And Maple Leafs are coming off uh, a tough one. Mind you, they did look pretty tired after playing uh, the night before. Uh, a rough game against the Chicago Blackhawks. I don't know, man. Uh, if I'm, and again, you're the one that uh, that puts his money where his mouth is, not me. But if I'm wagering tonight, I'm looking and feeling real good about the Buffalo Sabres just based on the history, Elliot. But your thoughts on this one tonight? We'll, we'll conclude. Well, first of all, I'm going to call... Uh, I'm going to call Sheldon Keefe, and I'm going to say you have to put this up on the whiteboard tonight. Jeff Merrick, <laughs> who never bets, is betting on the Sabres. Betting on, betting on, betting on the Sabres. Basing, basing it on an era that featured Don Edwards and Bob Sove. <laughs> That's right. Jeez, I remember, some bad, Le- I remember some bad Sabres teams beating some good league teams in <laughs> Buffalo. Like You're right about that. You know, the yeah, thing, first of all, I agree with you. Like, it's a huge game tonight. But you know what the best thing about it is? Is that this rivalry, it matters again because the teams are both good. Or, like, Buffalo's coming yeah. back, right? Like, like, like yep. when, the, when the Sabres and the Leafs are both relevant and they play, the, those games are dynamite. Like, the fans are crazy. The building's crazy. You know, there's... You know, like the Sabres fans, they used to sell. They'd sell their tickets to Leafs fans, and they'd make their money back all year. And the, the hardcore Sabres fans yep. would get pissed off at the people who sold their tickets to the Leafs fans. Like, it's such an awesome atmosphere. Like, there was a time when, you know, when I was less busy than I am now, it, it didn't matter what night the Leafs played the Sabres, I would always go. Like, I would always go oh, yeah. down, and I was single and didn't have a family. I'd always go to the game. Because they were crazy. I love them. You go to chefs in the afternoon. You you you, <laughs> you have a, you have something just drowned in their great sauce, and then you go to the game and it's just a gong show. Like those are some of my fa- favorite days in the business. Was watching the Leafs and the Sabres yep. in Buffalo. Just fantastic. Should be a good one. Uh, oh, real quick, uh, Vincent DeHarnay are uh, recalled by the Edmonton Oilers. Does that lead us to believe something about Evander Kane's situation? You know, while well, he's a defenseman, Kane's a forward. You know, Holloway's out now too. But like, I have to admit, yeah. this is personal feeling. 
I would have a little, I have a little concern watching from three provinces away as Kate isn't practicing and now he's missing games. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like they're just a very different team when he's in the lineup. Um, you know, he doesn't solve all their problems, but he solves quite a few of them. And, um, you know, this, this whole thing with Edmonton is really interesting, Jeff. I know you have another guest right now, so I won't keep it too long. I think Edmonton and Chicago have talked about Kane in case Kane says he'd go there. I think, I think the Blackhawks have a decent idea of what the Oilers are willing to do. But, you know, you're watching the game against the Rangers on Friday night, and you're watching the game against the Avalanche on Sunday afternoon. You can't help but ask. If the Oilers are going to spend their cap space and their assets, is that what they need? We'll see. Um, as you mentioned, guests coming up on the horizon, Ian Mendez on the other side. Uh, heavy with you today. Thanks as always, Fridge. We will uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Enjoy the games tonight. There are nine of them to choose from. Thanks, pal. I will, bud. Have a great day.